Welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the 121st ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts Cameron Albert alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today Kyle? I'm great Cameron, how are you? Doing great, bright and early this morning. Mm. Got to get some content out there for the holidays. Uh, maybe you're traveling to, I, I think we said this for the third year in a row now, maybe you're traveling to a relative's <laughs> house, maybe you're working. Maybe you're just sitting at home. Maybe you're not working. Yeah. So whatever you happen to be doing this holiday season, you can listen to us talk about Mizzou football, Mizzou basketball. Yeah, I'm happy because I'm off work for a little bit and get to spend some time with uh, some family. So that's always nice. Mm -hmm. Everybody be safe with with the COVID and the traveling. Try to do everything by the book if you can. Kyle, uh... One good thing about us recording bright and early in the morning is we're fresh off a Mizzou basketball victory. Mm, Barely. Yeah. Um, I told producer Cameron as we were walking in, I don't remember a game that Mizzou won that they had no business winning more than this game. But we'll save all of our analysis for a little bit later because first we have to talk about football. Mm. Um. I don't want to talk about this game, Kyle. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Missouri lost to Mississippi State 51-32. to And not a whole lot went right in yeah. this game. Started off well. Yeah. They, basically, the only thing... I mean, Larry Roundtree looked good. Yeah. Other than that, not a whole lot going on. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of felt like uh, Mizzou has not been very good in the last couple of weeks. They kind of... I don't know, spent their last bit of energy maybe against Arkansas. And, I mean, you can't really blame them. It, I, I, this has been such a grueling season, I'm sure. I mean, not only have you are, have you played 10 SEC games, which is more than normal, but it, the season's just lasted really yeah. long. Like, they've had a lot of, you know, breaks from uh, certain weeks and stuff like that. And they really haven't had a break the last few weeks. So it's just kind of been a grind, I think. And, and you can tell this team just didn't quite have the, uh, the zest that they had had earlier on in the season. They didn't, they just didn't have the bodies that they had earlier in the season. That's true. Or they have different ones now that they didn't have then. And now they're without guys that they had previously. It's just been kind of a, a carousel, you know, people hopping off and on the uh, active roster for Missouri this year. Yeah. Missouri should never have to play uh, like an entire season's worth of games with like 50 something players available i mean that's just not realistic uh, in a normal year but um you know i i think that when you look at the season you just kind of have to change your perspective a little bit and we've known that the whole time that this would not be normal and um there were going to be guys that, that opted out and guys that were unavailable and uh, we had injuries on top of that so and, and every team's dealing with that so yeah. not trying to make excuses or anything but it's just it's a weird year, yeah. and we knew that all along. Yeah, on top of everything, then just to have guys get normal football injuries, yeah, it's just like compounds it, and then you end up with something like uh, your week one starting quarterback playing meaningful snaps in the secondary. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> not something I could have predicted at the beginning of the season. That was amazing. Um, honestly, yeah, uh, this game I, I will forget this game. And we'll hopefully not think of it very much for the rest of my life. But if there's anything I do remember, it's, of course, Sean Robinson's performance. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. Probably not even him. Yeah. No, I wouldn't say so. And we can just linger there for a little bit. He was asked after the game, like, 
you know, what's what's going on exactly? Um, I'm sure a reporter asked him that word for word, and he said, "I'm a safety now." Yeah, <laughs> basically, it's like sounds great. Yeah, we, we literally talked before this episode about the fact I said that I'm sure he will be a quarterback somewhere else because that <laughs> he's good enough to yeah, be a I mean, quarterback somewhere else, and he's just, he's apparently bought in on being a defensive player now. I think he proved it to himself. Yeah. I, I can do this, yeah. and um, you know, I I don't know that Sean Robinson is really that great of a defensive player. Maybe that was, he was just kind of in the, the right place at the right time a few times, but honestly just having fresh legs might go a really long way uh, at this point in the season. Maybe he would just, the fact that he hadn't really taken a lot of hits or anything this year, he was able to just go in there and give his 100% effort. He kind of just stood out among the crowd a little bit. Yeah. So long-term, I just wonder if he has a, an off season to, yeah, uh, you know, actually be a defender and then goes into it next season if he could actually contribute. I wonder how much um, being a quarterback can help you on defense because maybe you just understand where they're trying to go with the ball. Yeah, or, potentially. Because um, he he read he obviously had an interception. He he yeah. read that play really well. Yeah, blew it up. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Larry Roundtree being like a lone bright spot, so I guess add uh, Sean Robinson to that as well. And uh, Missouri started this game off like they have a few other games this season with just like a touchdown drive that almost looked too easy Mm -hmm. i think everybody on twitter was getting a little too excited and i was thinking like okay like nice here we go yeah good start yep let's just dominate this game that's obviously not what happened um immediately missouri forced a mississippi state punt and it was muffed and then batted around a little bit into the end zone for mississippi state touchdown and then it was just kind of all downhill from there. Yeah. I mean, even when Missouri scored later, there was a point in the game where I think they scored to make it 18 to 34. And then Bledsoe got an interception. It looked like, okay, like we score here. We're right back in this game mm-hmm. in the second half. But then Bayslack threw his second or third interception. Yeah, it, it really would be interesting to see how this game plays out without the muffed punt at the beginning because, yeah, you go down, you, you get in a great drive, easy touchdown, and then a great defensive stop, and you're potentially driving to take a 14-0 lead or a 10-0 lead. Um, momentum is just so big in in this sport, especially in... Uncle Mo, they call it. Yeah, they do call it that. Somebody does out there. And, uh, <laughs> man it's just crazy how much these special teams horrors like seem to just continue to haunt us even uh post Barry Odom era but um I really felt like Cade Musser had been the most reliable like punt returner that we'd had all year and I'm not sure he'd really returned a punt no I think they listened to us and they just started just doing fair catch every time yeah which is perfectly fine but you kind of have to feel for him man he was emotional on the sideline and um you, I, I don't know. I just hate to see that, especially yeah. a guy that's that's his only role on the yeah. team, at least right now, is just catch the ball. I can't say enough how little I would want anything to do with catching punts. Yeah. Like I have said before on this podcast, I would literally wave for fair catch and then just run up the field and let it go over my head every single time. Yeah. I would never just even. Peter. Yes. I would <laughs> never even think about trying to touch the ball. Yeah. I agree. And I would just let it and land you'd where it lands. Probably lose your job and then you'd be happy. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although, if you catch it, it's fun, but no, it's so stressful. I yeah. wouldn't even want to try. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I can't. 
it is so frustrating, but I try to, sometimes you put yourself in the player's shoes and that's one spot on the field I would just want no part of. Yeah, but that, I mean, that was a huge swing that was so frustrating and did they score on that play? Like on the muff punt? Yeah. So just immediately erased all momentum they had built. Yes. Um, Mississippi State has some guys we talked about in the preview a couple of freshmen the quarterback and uh their running back i can't remember what year i want to look up their uh receiver that that caught a bunch of passes uh but they have some building blocks for the type of offense that mike leach wants to run and of course of course yeah we talk about the fact that they're going to throw the ball 85 billion times yeah and they throw it like 32 times and run it 17 or something like that more than they have all season yeah well i just remember saying something in a preview last week that i don't know why you wouldn't try and take advantage of teams that are playing the pass and even you know they run a lot of tunnel screens and stuff but i mean missouri was rushing three and they just exploited that immediately and started running the ball really effectively and i don't know why they didn't start doing that sooner but it kind of destroyed Missouri in this game and they clearly weren't really ready for that (laughs) yeah and they just kind of made plays I mean Mississippi State just made plays on offense when they needed to and that's kind of been the story for Mizzou's losses this year is just I feel like it's the defensive side has just kind of let teams teams have been able to just do what they want at times and whether that's you know, throwing the ball down the field or just gashing the defense for big runs. There's just moments where teams just look incredible on offense and they just put it together perfectly. Yeah. And there's nothing Missouri can really do. And I think a lot of that still goes back to, you know, players being hurt. Obviously we talked about the secondary. It just would have been nice. That kind of thing is something you might have expected going in. I didn't expect the offensive struggles Mm -hmm. that uh, we had in this game. I would have thought that if Mississippi State was going to put up 50, then Missouri would be right there with them, and we would be looking at something like the Arkansas game again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that we'll have kind of a season wrap-up at some point um, here in the next few weeks, but one thing that was interesting to observe season-long was just Missouri's ability to stop the run. And I feel like at the beginning of the year it was bad, and Tennessee ran all over us, and then we got really good all of a sudden. Like LSU couldn't run the ball worth anything against us, and we were the D line. You know, even with uh, some backups in there, it seemed like we were really stopping the run. And now we've kind of reverted back to not being able to stop anything. So for Mississippi State, Will Rogers, the quarterback, Draquavius Marks, the running back, and Jaden Wally, the receiver, yeah, all freshmen. They said his name about a hundred times in this yeah. game. Those guys are all freshmen, so they'll be around for a long time, um, giving defenses headaches. Uh, let's talk just for a minute about Connor Bazelak because this was this was kind of a struggle game for him. We haven't seen him. Obviously, we haven't seen him throw three interceptions before, and uh, one of them was a pick six late. It just, I don't know. I can't really explain it seems like he throws a very catchable ball a lot of the time and sometimes that works against him when it's just kind of floating up there a little too long Mm -hmm. and it just looks like anybody's ball and there's been times in the past where uh like with kelly bryant i wanted him to throw the ball up there and let his receiver go make a play more often Mm -hmm. 
and it just seems like sometimes maybe I don't know if Connor it doesn't look like he has too much confidence in his receiver it just looks like he's underestimating the defender Mm -hmm. that they won't be able to make the break on the ball that they need to in a few times the season they have and it's just looked awful I mean it looks like you have no business throwing that ball uh, on some of those interceptions yeah the announcers in this game were very very blunt in like saying that Missouri had no wide receiver threat whatsoever and I, I mean I can see where they're coming from I kind of agree with that I, in the way that I don't really think they have a deep threat yeah they have some really good possession guys and like Bannister and I think you know Chisholm is probably more preferably kind of a, sh- a short route like possession kind of receiver mm-hmm. and he's not really a deep threat typically they don't and have that like just pure speed guy right they can just take the top off one of the only like deep shots i can remember them taking in this game was to banister and you know it felt like connor put it where it needed to be but banister just wasn't quite there maybe i don't know it i'm not sure that typically you want to be taking shots with banister all that often but um they they need a maybe maybe, dominic lovett in uh, there (laughs) right or maybe um michael wilson runs under that ball but yeah he, he might be one of the fastest receivers. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much of, you know, Bazelak's struggle in the last few games has just kind of been uh, teams have seen enough of him at this point and they, they've, they have enough film to kind of see what his tendencies are and what he wants to do. And um, I kind of wondered if maybe Missouri should have started taking some, a couple more deep shots in this game to try and open things up a little bit. Uh, but yeah. And one thing that I thought would really work for him was the fact that he is good at going through his progressions that you can't just I don't think it doesn't seem like from an outsider point of view that a defense would be like okay here's the book on this guy he's going to look here mm-hmm. and if you take that away he'll be in trouble or you know here's his two reads and if he has to go further than that then he won't know what to do I feel like he at least like I said from somebody who's not studying the film to try to plan a defense he's unpredictable in that you don't know when he's going to check it down, when he's going to go to a second option, or when he's going to just sometimes force it to the the number one guy on the play. But uh, what were you saying just before about receivers, maybe Barrett Bannister, like deep deep shots, more deep shots, or yeah, I, honestly, I would have been fine with just running the ball more in this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, okay, one thing I was going to say was even on one of his touchdown passes, the one to Nico Hay, that was. That wasn't any I mean, that was lucky. That was improbable. Yes. I mean, great play by Nico Hay on the on yeah. the back end to get that ball, but if the defender just times his jump a little bit better, that's an interception. Right. Instead of a touchdown. So I don't know. I think he maybe after they got down early when when Mississippi State was just kind of putting together back to back touchdown drives, then maybe he felt like he needed to really make something happen to mm-hmm. get him back in the game. But I definitely do wish I could see this offense with a more capable receiving tight end. I think that's just going to really help a lot whenever hopefully uh, one of the t- two guys coming in can provide something, I guess, uh, as freshman. I guess Nico Hay has, has been pretty good um, at tight end, but he's really our only tight end receiving threat at this point. That's kind of a weird development because a couple years ago, obviously we had Albert O, but I remember thinking like, man, it seems like we've got like three or four guys mm-hmm. that could really be – big threats at tight end yeah and then after he left it was like okay what happened to all these guys yeah we, we thought we had we kind of have some bodies but nobody's really um proved themselves yet you know messiah swenson has like one or two catches this year and 
Logan Christofferson has one catch that I can think of, and it was a huge yeah. fourth down conversion. But and both of the and Swinton's one of his only catches was like a big, uh, um, was it the Colt forty five play? I that, I'm pretty sure it was from from a few weeks ago against Georgia, maybe. But I just really thought one of those guys was going to step up and just be the guy, and right. Or I thought I thought we would struggle to keep them keep one of them off the field i thought we'd be needing to get them both involved because they were so good yeah and we've actually seen less daniel parker jr receiving than we have in in recent years but he did have a couple catches in this game but that would that would be a question for coach drinkwitz maybe is like you know how are you feeling about the tight end play uh as far as in the passing game and you know what do you want to see from that spot in the future yeah i would definitely see like i i definitely think in the future we will see the tight ends be relied upon a lot more than they currently are i think that's the game plan i hope so it seems like oh, at least i think back to successful mizzou teams of the past and they've kind of always had that go-to tight end to mm-hmm. um, help out the quarterback and we got to remember that i have to remember that Bazelak's just a freshman i think i kind of heaped some um expectations on him based on how he's played and mm-hmm. how he's looked yeah and he's gonna have these games yeah he kind of ch- shot out of the gate uh at the beginning of the year and so i think maybe we got some unrealistic expectations but you're right he is a freshman he still has 84 years left still of eligibility and you know i'm not sure that he 100 percent has this job locked up in the future um but we'll see that's obviously something we'll get to at some point anything else on this mississippi state game we're ready to move on. We're on to Iowa. Hope maybe, hopefully, Music City Bowl against Iowa. Is as long as Iowa has their COVID situation in order, because they have paused football activities, and that's supposed to be a week from today. Tickets as low as twenty four dollars. I saw, <laughs> and it's in Nashville. Yeah. In a different year, I think maybe potentially we're all over that. But I've never gone to a bowl game before. Neither have I. Zoo bowl game. And Nashville would be a heck of a place for it. Yeah. Either last year, or the year before, I think one of you predicted then play in the Music City Bowl. Yeah. We were kind of hoping Mizzou, Nebraska, but who let us down there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I felt like Mizzou had a pretty good shot at landing in what was probably going to be the Citrus Bowl against Northwestern. And uh, they didn't. They ended up, I guess, the Music City Bowl would be deemed a lesser bowl, I suppose, uh, in, They're nor- all lesser, in normal year standards. In my opinion. That, like, you've got the top ones, and yeah. you got everything else. you got the That's, New York Six yes. bowls, and then everything else. Yeah, I yeah. agree. New York Six. <laughs> the, New York, <laughs> the New York City Bowl. And then, uh, <laughs> what did I just say? Um, uh, the, uh, the NY Six. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I was six and two, Kyle. Yes, I got off track here. <laughs> um, I think there was some weeping and gnashing of teeth a little bit um, with the Mizzou fan base about where what their bowl destination was. Um, I, I guess I don't really care that much. It sounded like this year there was probably a lot. Uh, it sounded like this year there was more uh, probably player involvement and in where they ended up, and obviously the players probably wanted to be a little bit closer to home and um yeah honestly i kind of feel like this is where mizzou wanted to be was um was in the music city bowl in nashville and i was you know they're they're a good opponent they've had a pretty good year they've played a lot of easy teams but you know they they're still a very capable team that's a good opponent why can't we play different teams in bowl games we played iowa not that long ago in the grand scheme of things 
in the insight bowl yeah. and got beat i'm pretty sure yeah we it was a very close game but yeah we yeah. lost so like and there was rumors you know we're talking about playing northwestern and i'll remember they played northwestern in 2008 because missouri has played in quite a few bowl games but you know there's been stretches where they haven't had a bowl game for a few years and so you don't have to go back very far to find some of these opponents and we've yeah. now played texas and oklahoma state twice i think in bowl games since leaving the big 12 so familiar faces there again i don't know i just i wish i i know there's like some kind of like regional feel for the bowl games and like these matchups happen you know it's not a coincidence that we're playing the same teams mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's just the conference affiliations of yes. these bowls and i don't really understand why they have to have conference affiliations yeah and just like the caliber of the different programs that end up being matched up with each other yeah. so really unless you're in one of those new york six bowls you're kind of <laughs> stuck with maybe playing the same team the new york bowl um yes. I feel like one matchup I that this is really kind of a random thought, but I mean I agree with you. It seems like the same teams always play each other. I feel like Florida and Michigan played each other in bowl games yeah. like four years in a row or something right. like that. Um, but yeah, it it is. I agree a little bit tired that it seems like we it's like the same teams we even the teams that we didn't play against. It was kind of like well we've played that team and yeah. So, but. I don't even know who I want to play. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, who who's somebody I, I, you would want to play? I don't know how they did this season, but like, give me like a like a Oregon. Yeah, like a or a, a West. Uh, yeah, give me a Pac-12 school or like a. Um, I know Florida State's bad, but like a Florida State or a Virginia Tech, you well, know, something like that. I was, I mean, I was telling you guys, I, I would love to play a big brand name like Florida State or Wisconsin or something, and maybe it's a team that's having a bad year and and we uh get to say we beat florida state in the bowl game that sounds yeah. pretty good yeah especially like maybe five years from now or something whenever they've returned to yeah to glory and, yeah somebody could listen to this and say like oh yeah cameron i, be I bet you would like to play oregon or florida state or you know <laughs> virginia tech like yeah um good luck with that mm. um next you'll be saying you want to play ohio state which maybe well, you never know uh yeah i don't know i i would their schedule is kind of goofy i mean they played eight big 10 teams and they're six and two they lost to purdue and northwestern they beat michigan state minnesota penn state nebraska illinois and wisconsin i um, mean michigan state and penn state way down this year minnesota they're bad wisconsin's down they're maybe the best team out of that group that uh, uh, Iowa, yeah, yeah, out of the, out of their wins, yeah, yeah, I guess I would say Wisconsin, but they're not good either. They can't score a touchdown to save their lives. So, yeah, yeah that that is a really interesting schedule, and the, I'd say the Big Ten is usually, they, I mean, they've they, they've got some powers for mm -hmm. sure, but even those normal powers are are not good this year. So it's really tough to make, uh, it's it's really tough to know how good Iowa is. Yeah, I was looking at their statistics a little bit and uh spencer petrus petras <laughs> is their quarterback <laughs> completing 57 percent of his passes for nine touchdowns five interceptions 1500 yards in eight games looks like they'll be trying to run the ball a bit so i don't know it's so tough to say and I, the one thing that I'm happy about is we don't have a huge 
as big of a layoff between the regular season and the bowl games this year. Yeah. Barry Odom it's, wishes he could have a shorter layoff. <laughs> it's always a little bit weird, yeah. It seems like the, the season is over for like a month and then like, oh, bowl game. Yeah. It's like a different uh, season. Yeah. Um, I almost w- wish we had a little bit more time, I think, this time around because I think this team is is exhausted, but maybe just the longer this thing drags on is is worse. So it is it is interesting that the bowl game is pretty much just only a week away. Iowa did get a bigger break because their game against Michigan this past weekend was canceled. Mm. So they are getting maybe to get some guys healthy. Although, like I said at the very beginning, they had to pause uh, football activities due to yeah. COVID. So fingers crossed that Missouri even gets to play in a bowl game this year. Yeah, that, that is true. Um, <clears throat> I think Iowa has the tendency to be a little bit stagnant on offense. So hopefully... Missouri is able to take advantage of that, and it might be kind of a low-scoring game, but if they can run the ball effectively, it might not be a low-scoring game. Uh, Now that the regular season has concluded, we have some all-SEC team announcements um, and some decisions being made by some players, Uh, so I'll run through this real quick. Connor Bazelak is your SEC Freshman of the Year, Um, and I was looking at some statistics. He finished fourth in the sec in passing yards behind kyle trask mac jones and matt coral hmm. so he finished with just under 2400 yards passing i'll have to dig into the record books and see where that ranks for uh, SC, or for mizzou freshman all hmm. time um let's see here harrison mevis freshman all american according to a magazine i can't remember i believe it and uh first team all for Freshman All-SEC. Nick Bolton, first-team All-SEC. Trajan Jeffcoat, first-team All-SEC. That was a surprise. That really was a surprise to me. Um, Obviously, we we all know that uh, the story of of Trajan Jeffcoat uh, taking a a year off or what. I don't even remember why, but he wasn't with the team for like a full year. Kind of fell off the face of the earth and never really thought he was a person that would be returning and just got word he was he was coming back before the season started didn't even get a full off season or anything like that and um just had an incredible season yeah but one sack off the sec lead after the end of the regular season yeah i mean i i knew jeffco was playing really well i can't honestly say that i've realized how well he really was playing but uh first team all sec that's that's and this is the coaches list that i'm reading off here uh larry roundtree's second team all sec pretty good little group there Mm -hmm. and then uh as i predicted last week nick bolton is not playing in the bowl game and obviously not returning for his senior season moving on to the nfl and maybe a little bit more of a surprise is larry borum not playing in the bowl game and not returning for his last two years of eligibility i believe he still had two more years of eligibility i think he's a junior this year but uh yeah that that one caught me off guard a little bit um i think that it hurts a little bit because we just weren't prepared for it, and the offensive line could really use them next year. Um, yeah, we just talked about how that's going to be, well, like with the recruiting class and everything, how at least I said that the offensive line is something that's kind of giving me pause right yeah, now. Yeah, that's that's going to be an area of concern, I think, next year. that That'll be, as we're doing our, our previews into next season, that will probably be one of the biggest question marks is the offensive line. It'll be interesting to see if they hit the, the transfer market and, and try and grab a guy or two there because I think we'll have to. But And now we kind of wait and see what uh, what Mike Mayetti does because we really need him to come back. Yeah. 
But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Larry Borum has surprised everybody this year how well he played at right tackle. I don't think anybody ever thought that he would really be mobile enough to play tackle efficiently enough, but he did more than that, and he was fantastic and missed some of the year with injury, but when he was in there, um, he made a massive difference. And uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that he has a future at the professional level, just maybe started a year earlier than, than anyone was expecting. Uh, Larry Roundtree posted on social media that he absolutely will be playing in the bowl game. So that's nice. That is nice. Um, I guess uh, you got to respect that, I guess. I mean, not that I don't respect Nick Bolton for, for not playing, but um, that just kind of seems like a very Larry Roundtree thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the only other football note I have here is that uh, Mizzou made the final four, or top four, I guess, for St. Louis defensive end recruit Tyson Ford. Uh, he also named Notre Dame, Georgia, and Oklahoma in that top four. Some decent squads. Yeah. I definitely feel like Oklahoma is the favorite at this time, but as I, as I like to say, a long way to go. Yep. That'd be, that'd be one to get, though. Ready to talk about the basketball? I'm ready. All right. Oh, producer Cameron, <laughs> go right ahead. <laughs> well. It's like four weeks in a row. It's, no, it's, next it's, next it's, week we can just roll right we in. We gotta pick some games. It's genuine every single time. I just completely forget. <laughs> he was so excited to talk about basketball. Well, I don't know if you guys want to keep picking any more games. There's no SEC matchups left. Um, we could pick playoff games. We could pick the playoff like games. Uh, last year, it's, when Cameron had the lead, he yeah. was pretty eager to not do that. Oh, I see. Um, we I don't have to then. No, I don't I care. Back and took a Let's listen. pick them. I don't know that it's going to matter. No, there's, there's not going to be anything to pick. I mean, we could pick them right now. Alabama, 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 Clemson, Alabama. That's my pick. Um, okay. I, I actually do feel like Alabama, Clemson could be a fantastic game. I know we've seen it <laughs> 45 times in the last four years, but... Pick Clemson. Mm, yeah, I'll pick Clemson. All right. Okay. Well, that's worth 20 points. 20 so, points. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Is it now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so last week it was 56 to 50. Kyle had the lead. Um, I tried to make some moves. You tried to make some moves. They were all wrong. <laughs> um, so Kyle gained five points. You gained two. Yikes. Um, so... Kyle has 61. Cameron has 52. It's got to be a record, right? Uh, no. Uh, I went <laughs> <He> actually knew. <laughs> I went back and looked just because I was curious. I thought that was... It's great research. Yeah. <laughs> How many games did we pick that last year, though? Uh, if he knows, that'll be impressed. Last year... I don't know how many games, oh. but I know how many well, it's all points we had. Gotcha. Last year, Cameron won 76 to 65. Yikes. Um, the first year, Ooh, this is embarrassing. Uh, Cameron won sixty to thirty-nine. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. I guess I've just really developed my picking skills. I guess. Um, but anyway, Kyle stopped Cameron from getting the three-peat. So congratulations, you, you are the twenty twenty winner of SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska. Thank you very much. Um, wish I had something for you, but I don't. Sorry. You get to look at this tree. <laughs> It's Christmas tree. My TV just turned on. Anyways, uh, thank you. That's, that is a beautiful view of this tree. It's very festive. Now can we talk and about basketball? so is that TV. Yep. Have at it. All right. Man, I can't wait to pick some games next year. 
All right. Um, as you played Bradley last night, Kyle, <laughs> did you know? Yeah. And they won. And now they're 6-0. and And it was an easy win, obviously, <laughs> just like we predicted. Uh, but actually, it wasn't. And neither offense could do anything all game. And it was a struggle. It was ugly. Uh, at one point, Xavier Pinson, they said on the broadcast, was 3-for-4 from 3. And all the other players for both teams were a combined 0-for-24 from 3. 0-for-24. Yeah. The the color commentator kept mentioning how loud the rim was whenever it was. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm not going to spend too much time on this topic because I don't want to be too critical, but I don't know. I can't remember what this dude's name is, but he's got a little bit of a southern accent. And uh, he's SEC. I sure. yes, born and I, raised. Yes, I think he is like a curse because <laughs> every time he calls a Mizzou game, we either lose or play horribly. And I always think like, oh wow, this guy's calling our game again. Then we're playing terribly. That's it's not a coincidence. It's a yeah. curse, and I you can't change my mind. Yeah, uh, not to spend too much time on this, but the announcing was not great. So I encourage the announcers to come listen to our podcast and then tell us that we're terrible did you know that uh <laughs> tillman is stepping up this year in, yeah. in place of reed nico yeah missing the the only starter missing from last season was reed nico <laughs> hopefully Tillman can step up and fill his shoes yeah that was like one of the first things said in the broadcast i was like oh geez it's gonna be <laughs> a long, long night, night. <laughs> uh it was a long night for more than just the uh commentating obviously it, like okay so all i have to say is the halftime score was 21 to 19. That's that's disgusting. That like make your eyes bleed. Mm. Um, yeah, what was it like two to two, like six minutes into the game or something yeah. like that? Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot going on. And uh, of course, on top of that, Drew Smith was in foul trouble all game. Um, Missouri was getting out rebounded like right from the beginning. And we talked about in the preview that Bradley was not an, an especially good rebounding team, but they, and Missouri is usually a very good rebounding team, and they just got destroyed on the boards. Um, there's one guy in particular for Bradley, Elijah Childs. Mm-hmm. He was just a rebounding machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he, he had a great game. Um, he's yeah. a little bit of an undersized forward but he was playing his absolute hardest and he was getting every board and he was scoring pretty efficiently inside at times ended up with a 13.10 rebound double double and yeah nothing really to talk about about the first half um i'll run you through the exciting part here real quick Uh, bradley made a three-pointer to go up eight with just under four minutes left Um, Mizzou got a shot to go down with uh, Mitchell Smith made a jumper. Then Tillman made two free throws to cut it to four. Mark Smith had two trips to the free throw line where he was combined three of four. And that cut it to two with under a minute left. Then uh, Bradley had the ball. They kind of just ran the shot clock down. It was down on the uh, game clock was under 30 seconds. They missed their shot. Mizzou got the rebound. And then there was a pretty strange play, in my opinion, where they kicked it around to Mark Smith, who was open from three from a distance he has made plenty of shots from, and he passed it up, but then just did a one dribble pull up from three, like three feet to the side of where he already was, and he missed that. Uh, Bradley got the rebound, and uh, Mizzou fouled. Bradley thankfully missed the free throw, 
Mizzou got the rebound. They got it to Penson. He drove Dish to Tillman. He scored an, an incredibly tough layup. I have no idea how he made the shot. He got fouled, made the free throw with one second left to go up one point. Yeah, when they were down like eight with a couple minutes to go, I think I had kind of not written them off completely, but I think it, I knew it was pretty bleak. I had written them off completely. I mean, just teams of, uh, in Mizzou's past, that well, I mean, teams that are still the, all the same players of the past, yeah. uh, I just, they don't win this game very often. This team doesn't win this game very often. Never. I mean, like, you put Missouri in the same position, down eight with uh, just under four minutes left, a hundred times. I don't think they're winning the game very many times. Yeah, it would it would actually be really interesting to see uh, that exact situation a hundred times. How yeah. many times that actually happens? Because I don't think it's more than like ten. Yeah, according to Ken Pomeroy's uh, win probability, uh, they would win approximately eighty-five times. Or sorry, fifteen times. They would oh. lose eighty-five times. Okay, I'll in say, that situation. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> no, they would win fifteen times. Did you think uh, Tillman was making that free throw? No. Uh, so <laughs> Emily and I, my wife, uh, we were watching the game. She doesn't usually tune in for games of any sort, but uh, she was. I was obviously really into this game and probably being really loud. So she came and sat on the couch and was watching it with me, and I just kept saying, oh, well, he's going to miss these. He's going to miss one of these. It was like every free throw in the last 10 minutes of the game, I was like, well, he's going to miss this. And for anybody, Mark Smith, Tillman, everybody. Mark Smith did actually miss a, a key free throw. But... Right, so that's why I was just like – everybody's gonna miss every shot ever i was in full like sulk mode (laughs) uh with with, like eight minutes left in this game where i was just like you gotta be kidding me like we go we beat illinois like one of the biggest wins in a long time we're ranked in the top 15 and then we're just gonna do this yeah i was definitely going through that as well like how come every single time we get some national recognition for being good we immediately suck yeah and either sport right yeah for the last like four years um so in basketball longer than that um yeah i thought every free throw was gonna be missed and emily was saying no he's gonna make it he'll make it and i was like you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) and uh so she just kept predicting makes and they kept making them after that one mark smith miss thank you emily i think they were perfect from the free throw line after that and uh yeah i don't know there was that Mark Smith, when he passed on the three that was open, I didn't fault him too much because I was like, okay, we've been struggling to shoot it. Let's get the ball inside. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted him to shoot it. When he first got the ball, I was like, yeah, put that up. Mm-hmm. I felt good about it. It was in rhythm. Then he passed on. I was like, okay, that's fine. Let's work it around, get it into the paint. But for him to pass the first shot and then just do a one dribble pull up from three, that yeah, made no sense. I don't really think that's his shot. I mean, it, no. it is a little bit different. Like you said, yeah. he's definitely like a catch the ball and shoot in the rhythm kind of player, mm-hmm. not create his own shot. And even with that one dribble, that can kind of throw off your funk a little bit. But, yeah, I honestly don't know that I loved him taking that shot there because he had just been so cold all game. But the, Like the first look? or Just either, yeah. yeah. I felt like there probably was a better look. But at the same time, you just – it's so late in the game, you kind of just start have to putting up shots. And then uh, there was kind of a, a weird exchange when uh, Bradley missed their free throw. Missouri got the rebound, and they were coming up with still just down two with a chance to tie it or take the lead for the second time. And 
it was so clear. Like we are getting the ball to Pinson right now. Mm -hmm. Like everybody stop what you're doing. I can't remember who had the ball in their hands, but I know it wasn't Drew Smith and Drew Smith was saying to whoever had the ball, pass it to Pinson. Mm -hmm. And they kind of just cleared out and let him get into the paint. And in live feed, I thought that maybe there was an offensive foul, but then on the replay, I think it was a good no call because, uh, the defender was kind of sliding into position late and he flopped a little bit, but you never know with, uh, college basketball officials. I think, you know, I would, I was scared that they were going to call an offensive foul there, but then he does get it to Tillman and then just the weirdest, like Tillman's under the backboard Mm -hmm. and it's like sticking his hands back up towards the rim and somehow gets this layup to go. Yeah. That was the weirdest thing ever. That was a very acrobatic shot for sure. Uh, Another thing I wanted to just bring attention to what right before that was the almost backcourt violation. Oh yeah. Where I believe it was Mark Smith was trying to get the ball to Penson. And yes, he was just so, he was trying to so frantically get it to Penson that he was almost across the line. One foot across. But, but was not, and it was a great no call. And honestly, in real time, I was like, yep, that was, yep, that was backcourt. They're going to call it. And in that just split second, I was thinking, yep, that, that was it. And they didn't call it, and uh, so I'm glad they didn't. It seems like refs are fairly lenient with that backcourt call. Like, it needs to be pretty obvious. It's kind of like a illegal forward pass or whatever. Like, yeah. when it's you pass the line of scrimmage, you got to be all the way across for it to be called. Yeah. Um, so, Tillman made the free throw, and that was – I didn't think he was going to make the free throw. I thought we were going to go to overtime. Mm-hmm. But I'm very pessimistic I was happy in those situations. With, I was even happy with overtime at that point. Like, oh, exactly. I I just couldn't believe that we got ourselves in that position. Yeah. Uh, but Missouri was able to win the game, and it was just so improbable. I mean, Missouri shot 31% from two, 14% from three. They did get to the free throw line a lot like they usually do. Like I said earlier, they got out-rebounded. Um, you just don't shoot that bad and win games yeah yeah I, I mean absolutely abysmal i cannot i just i cannot believe that we were able to win this game we were just so fortunate that you know bradley was cold too i mean we we missouri plays good defense but both teams were just missing shots yeah. shots that they would normally probably both both teams would probably normally make but mizzou goes to six and oh and uh, obviously, the advanced metrics did not like this performance, as you <laughs> might expect. So they dropped in Kim Palm yeah. from like 30, 32, 34 to 40th. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's to be expected when you can't shoot the ball. Yeah. The, I mean, the good thing about this game was that it, we're 6-0 and and, you know, the selection committee is going to see a, a win. A, a win is a win. And, you know, Kim Against Palm, probably the Missouri Valley champs. Yeah, there's uh, Bradley won it last year, and uh, you know they've they've been a pretty good team, and uh, you know I, I watched Bradley play against Missouri State. Uh, I think me uh, maybe you guys mo- both might have been there with me, uh, but uh, Bradley's a, a very good team, and they're capable of playing different styles. I think we we saw Bradley drop like a hundred points <laughs> last time you know we saw him in person, and they were they were raining threes, and it was a lot of these same players. So um, they can they can kind of change their style of play to what kind of team they're playing. And uh, they kind of were able to take advantage of Mizzou inside l- last night, but um, they they are a good team, and I think that they uh, have a very good chance of, of winning the Valley again. But 
I don't remember where I was going with that thought, but um, oh yes, that it would look it's going to look good to the uh, the selection committee at some point this season. They're going to see a W, but the uh, the analytics didn't didn't love it. They yeah. they saw right through it. <laughs> yeah, still waiting for last year's uh, information to drop off on those websites like Ken Palm and Bart Torvik. Yeah, um, but still top forty. Uh, if you're in the top forty on Ken Palm, then you at least on most devices on my phone at least you can see the number one team and the number 40 team mm. all on one screen and there's something about that that just like does something to my brain it's like okay like we're, we're pretty good if you're within sight of the number one team um missouri has another little layoff obviously they were supposed to play one game between um their last game and bradley they got canceled but next up is Tennessee. Next up is SEC basketball. And Tennessee, we knew that was going to be a tough game. I, I think we both predicted Tennessee to win the SEC uh, preseason. And they are better, I think, than I anticipated. Yeah, I think they are probably a top three or four team in the country. Yeah. I'm not sure Tennessee has really been challenged yet as far as playing a really good team. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember they've really played any super quality opponents yet. So at this point, it kind of looks like they're just invincible. They have no weaknesses. Um, They have so much depth and so many weapons at different positions. Um, But it will be really interesting to see how they react to obviously playing Missouri. I'm I'm assuming is far and away the best team they've played so far. That's where you're wrong. Okay. First game of the season, they played Colorado, who is ranked 24th in Kempom. Oh. Uh, but they played them at home and won that game by nine. Mm. So This is better and, than Colorado, right? Uh, I don't know. Colorado, I think. You would have said yes before yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's poten- potentially, yes. Uh, uh, I think Colorado is actually just kind of like a very similar team to Missouri, but just a little bit better in on both sides uh, offense and defense they're just slightly better but kind of play a similar style so that might actually be a a pretty decent parallel game to look at Um, and they did beat number 75 Cincinnati at home as well but then since then they've had some cupcakes but they've just destroyed those Mm -hmm. teams I mean there's it's hard to play a 300 level team in Kempom win and you're (coughs) My goodness, Merry, Merry Christmas! Um, it's hard to play a 300 level team in Kimpom and your rating increase. Yeah, and they played Tennessee Tech. They beat them 103 to 49. It's decent. Yeah, and they improved two spots in Kimpom after that. Then they just played St. Joe's and beat them 102 to 66. And they play another 300 level team, USC Upstate, <laughs> uh, tonight. And then a week from today, they play Missouri. So. I don't know, just right off the top of my head, Tennessee is incredible. I think they match up well with Missouri. I think they are have a savvy enough coaching staff and players to create a game plan that will mirror what Liberty did and what Bradley did against Missouri's offense, and I think it's going to be a real struggle. Um, Tennessee, I think, is fourth in adjusted def- defense efficiency. So, they're pesky. Yeah, I'm not op- optimistic about this one. Yeah. Do you have anything, Kyle, that you can say that would maybe change my mind? Well, 
you know, it's it's really tough to know what now that, you know, we watched Missouri struggle last night, it's kind of back to like, all right, which team's gonna show up? And it's so hard to predict what's gonna happen. I, I don't I don't know why Missouri was not was shooting so poorly last night. I, I don't know you know, we know Bradley's good at defense, but Missouri still had opportunities. They still did not take advantage of those opportunities. Um, are they were they just out of focus? Surely not. Um, but I, I still think that I, I still think there's going to be a close game. Um, it's at home. I think that really does still play a pretty big part in in the matchup. But I agree. I think Tennessee's just too good. I think they we knew they were good, but. Like like you said, they they have proven that they're as every bit or better than than even we thought preseason. So, um, I I could see this being kind of a t- defensive struggle. I I think Tennessee wins something like sixty eight to sixty. Okay. Uh, yeah, Kim Palm's got it as basically a toss up. Still, uh, they've got Tennessee by three. Um, and I don't know. I just think. Yeah, maybe it's hard because it's such a flashback to the offensive woes from previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Like last night, it's just like, oh, yeah, these are the same guys that can't shoot that we've had for three years. Yeah. And what I would give for this to be, uh, I don't even know if my math is right here, but for this to be Jonte Porter's senior year. You know, oh, man. Or to have, to have Justin Turner. Yes, that would be very nice. Um, I haven't even checked to see how what yeah. he's been doing this he's year shooting like just under 40 percent from three Ooh, at bowling green would be nice pretty decent volume um yeah that'd be the type of guy to have you know i you think back to we've said this before but that first Conzo martin team having jordan barnett and cassius robertson and jonte porter all consistently good three-point shooters mm-hmm. and having jonte able to maneuver out of the post really quickly yes. to get to the shooters yes and yeah, his passing to to get those guys open looks. That's just I, I took it for granted at the time, and looking back, I'm like, man, when, will we like? It's like, will we ever have two three point shooters as good as Jordan Barnett and Cassius Robertson on the same team ever again? I don't know. Hopefully, surely we will at some point. But when you have had uh, non existent shooting like this for the last couple of years, I mean. We were relying on Jordan Geis to be, you know, a three-point uh, contributor. And when Mark Smith only shoots three threes in a game and misses all three of them, it's a it's a scary sight. I, I wanted him to be pulling up more. I wanted him to be shooting the ball more. Uh, thankfully, he was getting to the free throw line against Bradley. I mean, the whole team was to some extent, and that really helped. Um, one, one. I'm uh, jumping back to the Bradley game real quick. One interesting thing was uh, Kobe Brown. He's been starting all these games, but what we've been seeing is him only play 15 to 20 minutes, and Mitchell Smith be in the lineup when it really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mitchell Smith had the most Mitchell Smith game ever last night, where he didn't really score very much, but he just like had some huge plays in really key moments, just kind of out of nowhere. He yeah. nine rebounds, three blocks. Yeah, had a huge block. Um, uh, in an expiring shot clock situation and kind of sparked the end of the game run with a nice kind of mid uh kind of a mid game uh what am i trying to say here you got it not a a uh what, what is it what is it called when you shoot and it's not a uh mid-range mid-range okay 
it's early in the morning, folks. Yeah. He had a nice kind of mid-range uh, jumper that that sparked the the run last yeah. night. So he, yeah, he he's a senior. He kind of just shows up big in big moments. I forgot about all the craziness right at the very like the last one second of that game where uh, Bradley th- tried to throw a full court pass oh and it gosh. was just going to sail out of bounds. It looked like, but yeah. then Mitchell Smith touched it. And yeah. so then they just ended the game. They got to, well, no, the, the, the first one, the, oh. he touched it out oh, of yeah. bounds. And so they got to inbound it from the sideline. Right. But then he swatted that one and then they had to review it. I was like, that was excruciating. That was, yeah. took forever. I was like, I, in like, this game, please yes, let this game be over. I want it to be a win. Uh, back to Tennessee though. Um, man, after that performance, you got to, I, I, I always thought Missouri's shooting and their offense in general was going to dip at some point because right. that was, these are the same players. There's no way this is sustainable. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to shoot 31% on two pointers ever again this season. I hope I pray. So hopefully that was obviously some regression to the mean. Hopefully we go the other direction and shoot a little bit better against Tennessee. But if there's any team that's going to force you to shoot a low percentage, it's Tennessee. And so I'm seeing something like Missouri's going to lose 62 to 72. Tennessee wins 72 to 62. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I I think we're we agree on that for sure. That Missouri can they can make this close. They can make it competitive, but it's going to be tough to pull this out. Yeah, I mean, we would need the kind of offensive performance that just comes out of nowhere against, like, that we've had against Florida yeah. or, you know, where it's just like, okay, we're just all of a sudden yeah. hot and making everything. That's the kind of thing we would need in this yep. game. Um, Eve Pons for Tennessee is just a special player. I mean, he's built, uh, honestly, Tennessee all the way up and down their lineup. Yeah. They've got guys physically that they just look like an NBA team compared to your average college basketball team yeah. their size their length is just elite at every position pretty yeah, much yeah i mean rick barnes is probably that like hall of fame coach yeah. too yeah yeah how's texas doing well they're pretty good this year but they are better this year yeah. i still think they'd take what rick barnes has done the last four seasons mm. um i think i think missouri's gonna be okay obviously they're still undefeated but that game last night just like oh, yeah that was a that was definitely a wake up a, call. that was a wake-up call that was a reality check and maybe maybe that's what they needed maybe they're getting a little arrogant needed to uh needed to be reminded that they gotta play hard against everybody so going into sec play ken palm has missouri at like tied for fifth in the league as far as like projected standings at the end of the season at 10 and 8 along with arkansas and kentucky kentucky's looking terrible i don't think kentucky will be 10 and 8 um and there used to be kind of a log jam at the top it used to be like you know eight teams within a game of each other Mm -hmm. but they've kind of separated out tennessee now um and i think tennessee is going to run away with the sec probably so yeah they're head and shoulders above everybody else i think yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they only lose two or three games the rest of the way um how are your expectations now going into conference play compared to preseason honestly i'd say they're probably about exactly what they were uh before preseason and maybe i just have a little bit too much recency recency bias after what happened last night um but i still i absolutely still think that missouri should be fighting for that top four kind of double bias situation going into the sec tournament 
Um, I don't know how realistic that is, but I don't really think anybody else in the SEC outside of Tennessee has really shown that they're probably as good as they were expected to be um, preseason. So I, I really do think the SEC outside of Tennessee is kind of wide open. So I wouldn't really be surprised to see Missouri finish anywhere in that like three to seven range. And I yeah. I would probably be satisfied with anything in that range. Well, they're going to be so clumped up there. Yeah, like honestly, anything – I'll take it. I'll take it one step further, Kyle. I'll go two to eight. Mm. Anywhere in there is like totally possible because you're looking at Florida, LSU, Ole Miss, yeah. and then on the other end, Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama. Like Missouri could beat them or lose to them. Yeah, know. there's going to be a lot of those kind of just coin flip games where, especially on the road, where Missouri's probably the better team, but it's tough to win on the road. There, yeah. There's, there's going to be a lot of just toss up situations. Hopefully the team looks at them as opportunities mm. and they can build that resume. I agree. Because we still got them squarely in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. Still, even though they're still still after a win, a win. Uh, 6-0. But it just feels like that was a loss. Like in every way that matters except the only way that matters, yep. the final score, that was a loss. Yep. And so it's hard to not think of it like one. Yeah. That's funny. Is that all we got this week? Things that we got. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah, enjoy, happy holidays. Enjoy family. Enjoy not working or enjoy working if you have to work. It's not so bad. Yeah. All right, everybody. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our stickers and T-shirts on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.